KYW Original Podcasts. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic in Philadelphia, subscribe to KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Coronavirus Pandemic from KYW In-Depth. I'm Charlotte Reese. Pennsylvania is just one of the states that has postponed their primary election. Here, it went from April 28th to June 2nd, and that's just one of the ways our election system has been affected by coronavirus. So I started thinking, is the way we vote as Americans going to be impacted just like every other aspect of our lives right now? I reached out to University of Pennsylvania political science professor Mark Meredith to pick his brain a bit. What if voters or poll workers still have public health concerns and don't want to go to a school gymnasium. What about campaigning? How will that change? Plus, there's a presidential election in November. How will this pandemic ripple out into the democratic process? So, Mark, what kind of effect do you think this change on the primary is going to have on voter turnout? I think whether or not the primary was moved, uh, we were probably headed towards having lower voter turnout than we would have had absent the pandemic. Um, it's a chaotic it's a chaotic world out there uh, right now, and people have lots on their mind uh, besides voting. The primary, at least right now, seems like for the Democratic presidential nomination is kind of trending towards Biden, so maybe it's a little less consequential than it, than it would have been as well. Um, it doesn't mean that there might still be important down-ballot races that are, are competitive in certain in certain areas, but uh, I think given all that's going on and given that it doesn't seem, at least right now, that uh, the delegates that are being awarded for the, the primary are going to be that consequential, I think that's just going to mean turnout's going to be going to be pretty low. Do you think that mail-in voting is a reasonable way for Pennsylvanians to vote? Yeah, I think clearly it's a good thing that we changed the law already to make um, to make mail voting easier. I think it would be a lot more difficult right now if they were trying to figure out what, what the law should look like um, while all this is happening. So I think clearly it's going to work to our advantage that we'd already removed the the excuse requirement, and, and and we're trying to move towards more mail voting anyways. Uh, but it's also going to be challenging because it's not like you can just move from a system where most votes are cast in the polling place to most uh, votes being cast by mail overnight without a lot of frictions. Uh, we just we don't have the same history that uh, other states have that use more mail voting. You know, the extreme example being states like Washington, Oregon, and uh, where, where almost every vote is a mail vote. Um, and so I do think we're, we're going to see more mail voting. The counties are trying to figure out how they can do it. Um, but it's going to be there's going to be a lot of learning happening because um, this is not this is not something that they're used to. Uh, and so the administration is going to be challenging for, for a lot of the counties. Something that, you know, KYW has been looking into is the Philadelphia School District moving to kind of online formats or trying to. We learned that almost 11 percent of students in the school district don't even have computers. About 30 percent don't have high speed Internet. What would the supply chain look like if people are scared about the coronavirus 
about getting the word out about mail-in options and then succeeding? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's going to be a logistical challenge. Clearly, as your, as your question suggests, online outreach is going to be a very important tactic that, that the Philadelphia will have to use to make people aware of the, of the mail balloting situation and what the laws look like. But that's not going to work for everyone. And, and just sort of to build on that, even mail outreach is not going to be a perfect substitute for, for online outreach because uh, it, it can be hard to, to reach people by mail. You have the standard issue that people might not open their mail, but also that given that we haven't been working in a system with mail balloting already, we might not necessarily have great address information for everybody or, or at least address information that makes it easy to get a ballot to someone. Maybe they're not even at their, their standard address right now because of, of, of their quarantine or things of that sort. And so uh, you're going to have to use a multiple method approach for getting in contact with people. Um, and uh, you, know, you hear people discussing, well, why don't we just mail ballots to everybody? Uh, but there's just a lot of logistical challenges with doing that. And, you know, also it raises some, some concerns about election integrity. So it's not just as simple as, well, we can just mail everyone a ballot and that's going to fix the problem. Um, there, there's a lot of work that's going to have to be done to, to make sure that we're getting um, ballots to the right place and to the right people. Um, and it's not an easy just get everyone, get in contact with everyone online or mail everyone a ballot because they're, they're, there's problems with all these different different ways of getting in contact with people. You know, you mentioned already Oregon, Washington, states that are completely run by mail. And, you know, we've had the Democratic Party in Pennsylvania pushing for that for so long. Do you think that Pennsylvania could ever move? Do you think this pandemic could possibly move that momentum for fully mail-in voting any more than it already is? It's possible it could cause a change um, in a few years to where we could head down that road or, or not. I, you know, I, I think people often, once used to a mode of voting, come to like that mode. And so um, now that people are going to get more experience voting by mail, it's, it's possible that some people are going to really enjoy that more than they realize and, and decide that's how they want to vote. Um, but it's not, it's not going to be feasible to move to an all-mail system for November 2020. There's just there's too many barriers to, 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 to doing that. In Washington, Oregon, they built up their entire election administration apparatus around supporting all mail elections. And they have a lot of procedures and technology put in place to support that. Um, Pennsylvania could get there um, if that's where they decide they want to go, but they can't get there by, by November. And so we'll see what people think once they once they move into the to a world where at least for this year it's likely the case that a lot more people are going to be voting by mail uh, than before and, and and that was going to be true whether or not we had this pandemic because of the increased availability of absentee voting but i i think we're a long way off from pennsylvania being able to support a all an all-mail ballot system and you kind of already mentioned that the presidential nominations are almost set at this point and, you know, they're calling June 2nd the kind of part two of Super Tuesday since so many states have moved their primary to that day. But local elections are still a big part of primaries. What kind of changes do you think people will see there for congressional seats, local seats, et cetera? I think a lot of what will happen will be dependent on the specific campaigns in local areas that in places where there are competitive primaries, the, 
the campaigns will be a lot, but we're doing a lot of the outreach to try to get people knowledgeable about uh, the policies uh, to make sure that people who uh, they think might be their supporters are, are requesting mail ballots and, and things of that sort. So I think the, the role of campaigns, especially in the primary election, will play a greater role just because um, uh, of the logistical challenges that the election administrators are facing. They might not always be in a position to be able to do as much outreach as they would like. Um, I think when it comes to the November 2020 election, you know, people are going to be very aware of what's at stake and what's happening, probably less so with the, the primary election, especially for, for down ballot races. And so that, that, that's where the campaign is really going to have to fill that void and make sure they're making the people who they want to be aware of the, of the, of the race and make sure they know about it. Right. Campaigning is probably going to be changing all the way through until the general election. How do you think this is going to affect the race? We already know that, you know, young voters make up a huge portion. They're a little bit uh, obviously better at Internet and online campaigning. What kind of pressure do you think this puts on certain demographics to vote when it comes to the general election in November? Yeah, it's an interesting question because you have countervailing forces. On one hand, I think you're right that people who are who are younger are um, are better uh, connected online, and so are going to be better able to leverage whatever resources uh, arise to support um, the campaign online. But it's also the case that younger people are less likely to be registered to vote. And one of the real um, important things that presidential campaigns in battleground states do is they go out and make sure that people who aren't registered are registered. And oftentimes that happens through um, through in-person contact, through canvassing, through registration drives in crowded places. And so I think it's hard to understand how these things will balance out and think about what groups will be advantaged or not. Um, but I do think that clearly uh, the, the presidential campaigns are going to be thinking about this, uh, and it's going to affect their, their strategy in many ways, but in particular affect how they engage in digital outreach. It's already been an increasingly important element of campaigns uh, that's going to just be magnified this time around, uh, where I think the, the campaigns will really be thinking creatively about how they can uh, replicate what they previously done in person electronically. And, and from a political scientist perspective, one thing we've learned over time is the importance of social pressure in motivating people to vote. And part of why we think that uh, door-to-door canvassing uh, is the most effective way of mobilizing people among the different get-out-the-vote uh, techniques that campaigns have is because the face-to-face interaction you have with people and talking with them generates people's sense of, of, of social pressure to show up to vote. And so I think a lot of what um, the campaigns are probably thinking about right now is how to um, be able to best replicate the type of social pressure that in-person canvassing generates uh, in a world where people aren't, aren't interacting face-to-face nearly as much. And Mark, just when thinking about this election year, considering the pandemic can you compare it to any other election in history and how the turnout, the results were kind of affected by circumstances that were happening outside of politics? You know, seeing political commentators pointing to um, the 1918 midterm elections, which happened uh, in the midst of the Spanish flu pandemic, um, 
But I just think it's hard to generalize out. 2020 was already going to be a crazy election. My, you know, before all this happened, I felt pretty certain this was going to be the highest turnout election, uh, at least in my lifetime, uh, in terms of the share of Americans who are going to show up to vote. So it was already going to be a very unique election from the perspective of voter turnout. Uh, now we're adding this, this wrinkle on top of it. Um, we don't really know what the world is going to look like in November. And I think one thing that's really important is that election administrators have to be playing out a bunch of different scenarios right now about what November looks like. We could be in a, we could be in a place where really things have settled down a, a lot by then and, and, and in-person voting can happen pretty much as normal. Uh, we could be in a world where we, we have to very much limit the amount of, of in-person voting uh, that, that's happening. I grew up in Wisconsin, so I've been actively watching Wisconsin right now very closely because they're, they are holding their primary election on Tuesday and watching all the different logistical challenges they're trying to, trying to manage. And the one thing that came up this week that it seemed like they were a little unprepared for is a bunch of their poll workers just said, I don't want to, I don't want to show up and man the polls and make sure that in-person voting can happen. And so there's a bunch of municipalities that just lack enough poll workers to run the election. And, you know, I think right now that's, that's problematic because this is leading to the consolidation of polling places, which maybe leads to more crowds. And so it's possible we really don't want to be consolidating polling places, but want to be, um, you know, keeping as many polling places open as possible to try to limit the number of people who are, are at any given spot. And this is one of the many things that, that election administrators have to be playing out and thinking about, all right, what do I do if um, we, we want to have in-person voting, but I don't have enough poll workers. And, and so the solution they came up with in Wisconsin is, okay, we're going to bring in the National Guard to, to help fill these voids. Um, and I think these are the types of creative solutions that election administrators have to be thinking about and just thinking about so many different ways that November may go and how they're going to manage to make sure an election happens, given, given all these different scenarios. Right. Like many things happening, it's kind of a we'll see what happens. Exactly. Yeah, I think anyone who any, anyone who says they know what November is going to look like right now is um, with any certainty. Uh, yeah, it, it, we, there's so many different so many different uh, ways November could look, and you have to be you have to be planning now for all of them to make sure you have the the, the resources in place to support whatever election uh, environment we, we have. Is there anything else um, that you want Pennsylvanians to know to be ready for June second or whenever the primary may be? I, mean, I just think because the elections didn't move back, it's important to remember you still have time to request these absentee ballots. And I wouldn't wait for the last minute to request them. I, the deadline isn't for a while, but get your ballot request in now because it will give counties as much time as possible um, to process. What we're seeing in Wisconsin right now is that the, the municipalities are struggling to get the absentee ballots out because of the unprecedented demand. And so the earlier you can make your request, the, the more likely it is that you'll, you'll be getting your absentee ballot in a timely way to make sure you can, you can cast that vote. Great. Thank you so much, Mark, for your time today. And thanks for joining KYW In Depth. Yeah, it was nice talking to you. Thanks for having me. That's it for this episode of KYW In Depth Coronavirus. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic here in the Philadelphia area or how it's affecting you, then subscribe to the KYW In-Depth podcast. Search for KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Charlotte Reese, and we'll have another episode out soon.